feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. The first June 6th hearing, I think, was just one big bust. It was done so poorly, and it was so hyped up, like it was going to be uh, the second coming of Christ. You know, it was like, everybody was like, okay, what's going to be happening here? They built it up. They hyped it up. They made it sound like it was going to be a whole bunch of bombshells after bombshells. So I was waiting to see how was it going to go. And I thought it was a tremendous disappointment. And by the way, if I were a Democrat, I would be devastated. I would go, oh, boy, I guess I'm going to be losing in the midterms now because they ain't got anything. It was really bad. And for what was supposed to be like almost a made-for-Hollywood hearing, it really was incredibly disappointing. I mean, there was no, like, high mark. There was nothing that I took away that I went, oh, my gosh, there's a smoking gun there. There's a bombshell there. There's something that's going to turn the tide. Uh, If I were the Democrats, they need to, like, you know, grab the country's attention. They had a primetime address, and they had up to 20 million people watching. That's a lot of people just because of the audience size at that time. So many networks carried it. But you have this, like, unbelievable platform And that's what you do. That's how you use your time. That's that to me was boring. It was lackluster. And there wasn't anything that I walked away saying, gosh, I learned so much new that now will change my impression. And when I go to the voting booth in November, boy, I'm going to vote now against the Republicans or anybody associated with Trump as a result of that. I didn't see any of that. Am I missing something, everybody? Let me know. Give me a call tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show because, to me, I just thought it was very flat. I thought it was lackluster. I thought the delivery was bad. I mean, that was the other thing. I thought somebody should have been preparing them for just better delivery style. You know, you need more punch. You need more energy. You need to, like, say, wow, take a look at this video. The video they showed it wasn't nice to see those images. It was, you know, it's it's horrible to see, you know, police officers being pushed and all the other things that the video was showing. But to me, it wasn't anything different than I saw before. And it was a lot more tame than I have seen of the riots of 2020, which, boy, that was mayhem and murder and a whole bunch of other stuff. So to me, when I saw it, I thought, that's what you got. That's what you think is going to be so earth shattering. And they have to prove that President Trump very much was integrately, integrately involved, very, very closely involved and deciding, okay, here's how we do this. Here's how we plan this. This specific riot and these protests will overturn the election. You have to kind of show the plotting, planning, and the direct almost nexus. That's what they say that they plan to do. I didn't see anything last night other than seeing what we've already seen. The president talking, who's been disappointed by the election. He continues to be disappointed with the election. He speaks out about it. 
Then he also said, go peacefully, protest peacefully. At the end, he also said, go home when he saw that things were getting out of control. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that I actually thought made Trump look pretty good. And I didn't see the nexus, this big, like, you know, Sherlock Holmes nexus that they're about to, like, put things together. I thought, boy, they need a better investigative team if this is all they got. 1-800-848-9222. I'm going to be taking your calls in a second on this. By the way, also later on in the show, we're going to talk about this bombshell in the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. The guy, Pete Arredondo, and I can't wait to hear what you think. I'll tell you what I think. Boy, this guy is a mess. He finally does his first interview, and he basically says, yeah, I left my radios back because I thought that they would slow me down. That's one. Two, he said, I didn't know I was the commander. How scary is that? Everybody said he was the commander on the ground who wasn't giving the orders, who wasn't doing this. And now he's saying, I didn't know I was the commander. I mean, what was it, like Abbott and Costello? How sad is that? Because what a horrible tragedy and massacre that happened at the Uvalde School. Of course, 19 children, two teachers. And you can't even figure out at this point who was leading the efforts. This is really, it is getting more and more scary by the minute. And we're also going to talk about the things are so bad with the economy and with gas prices that now a Michigan Sheriff's Department is saying that they can't go out on all these 911 calls because they can't afford the gas. You know that this is going to be happening in a lot of other countries, a lot of other businesses around the country. Think about this, because now gas is costing so much money. Thank you, President Biden. And now they can't even basically go out on all the calls. They normally like respond to every 911 call just to check it out to make sure it's what the person says it is, to help them in case they need help or whatever the case is, as a precaution. That's pretty standard operating procedure. Now they're saying, well, we have to spend a lot more time vetting the people because we just cannot afford the gas that it requires to go out like we normally do on every 911 call. How sad is that? Boy, is that a sad testament of the times. And we're going to be talking about that later on in the show because, to me, that just encapsulates how bad things are in Joe Biden's economy. And he continues to say, Putin, 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 Putin. And he is putting us on because it isn't all Putin. Believe me, if you look at the numbers, this has been a disaster. And even many Democrats are now starting to come out and say the exact same thing. Meantime, we are talking again about the hearings last night. I thought it was such a waste of time. I didn't think there was anything revealing, and I don't think there was anything dynamic. And nor does Congressman Jim Banks, who wanted to be on the committee. Remember, Kevin McCarthy said, listen, there's a couple people that I'd like to put on the committee from the GOP side, so it would be a balanced hearing, not just a one-sided hearing, only portraying what the Democrats want to portray. That doesn't really sound like a hearing to me if it's so one-sided, but that's what the Democrats clearly wanted. And so they picked these two Republicans who are worse than the Democrats on Trump. I mean, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. But McCarthy wanted Jim Banks. He wanted Jim Jordan. He wanted a number of others that he said would actually be able to ask the kind of questions that deserve to be asked to the witnesses and to other people on the panel to make sure it's balanced. But no, they didn't want it. They did not want it whatsoever. Here is Jim Banks 
describing what he thought of the January 6th hearing debut. Well, last night's hearing was a prime time dud. No, nothing came out of it that we didn't, we didn't know before, and it didn't change anybody's minds. At the, at the end of the day, this committee is trying to prosecute Donald Trump for crimes that he did not commit. And last night proved that they don't, they don't have any evidence that shows anything that's different than that. They want, to put Donald, they want to throw Donald Trump in jail if they can't get that done. They want to prevent his name from appearing on the ballot. They want to continue to use this committee process as a way to attack their political opponents. But we also learned from reports over the weekend that this committee is actually going to come out and recommend for abolishing the Electoral College and to advance the radical election agenda of the Democrats to nationalize, federalize elections to move all states toward mail-in ballots. That, that's what this committee is really all about. It's not about investigating January 6th. So there is a whole ulterior motive, and I agree. It's all about trying to damage President Trump. It's also trying to damage the Republicans before the midterm. And so far, I don't even see that they did that. There was nothing exciting. To me, it was like a snooze fest. But if you listen to some of the Democrats, including Congressman Pete Aguilar, He claims that it was bombshell after bombshell. I want to know what he's smoking, but take a listen. There will be a lot of evidence uh, that is presented uh, in general, and each topic, each hearing will have a topic. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of each hearing lead uh, and each team lead uh, that is carrying on that activity, but what I can tell you uh, is that it will continue to be compelling, it will be very real, it will be raw, and we will piece together this puzzle. And what do you think, everybody? You heard what the Democrats said, that this was just the beginning of this amazing puzzle that they're going to piece together. And Republicans are saying this is a piece of blank. (laughs) 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe on line four. I think it's Joe Pinion who is running against uh, uh, Senator Schumer, right? Rita, good to be with you on a Friday. I figure it's my first Friday night I've spent in New York City in close to two months. So I figured what better to do than give Rita a call. So how are you doing this evening? I'm glad you are. I saw your name and I was like, wait a minute. I know Joe there. I'm so glad that you're calling in on this uh, on one of your first few nights here in the city. That's great. I got to get your take, Joe. What did you make of the hearing? I mean, look, uh, we need to have investigations in search of truth, not an agenda in search of an audience. And what we saw uh, realistically uh, was the Democrats trying to do what they always do, confuse the American people, use fear as a cudgel to uh, beat people into submission to hopefully distract from the fact that your average American family cannot put food on the table. The toddlers don't have any actual formula to feed themselves. They're now in the Hunger Games, as I've called it, uh, toddler edition. So uh, this is just an extension of what we saw with the first and second impeachment of President Trump. They canceled live with Jerry Nadler uh, to try to make sure that we could actually uh, distract from the fact that they don't have an agenda. So uh, we're at uh, hard work here. So I'm excited about the opportunity to let people know uh, Chuck Schumer can be beaten. And uh, these Democrats, uh, they don't have any solutions. You know, you brought up Chuck Schumer because I know you're running against him and we're talking to Republican candidate for Senate against Chuck Schumer in New York, Joe Pinion. I'm so glad you're calling into the show, Joe. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are in terms of vis-a-vis, because the first thing I thought of when they played, you know, President Trump's comments yesterday, and we've heard them obviously before, um, that it was so 
much more restrained and docile compared to what Chuck Schumer has said. You know, when Chuck Schumer was on the, you know, on the steps of the Supreme Court, you know, you know, I'm sure you've heard it many times, Joe, and as I have, where he said, you know what, we're going after you, Gorsuch. We're going after you, Kavanaugh. You will pay a price. You won't know what hit you. I mean, what he was saying there and his language was so much more intense than anything we heard from Trump that they're saying led up to the riot at the Capitol. Uh, Look, let's be clear. Uh, You can uh, have whatever opinions you want in life, but my grandfather told me uh, that whatever your views, you have to be consistent. You can't tell me that the words of Rudy Giuliani and President Donald Trump uh, led to an insurrection uh, and somehow don't actually want to hold Chuck Schumer accountable when he says uh, that they will pay the price on the Supreme Court for passing uh, laws or actually ruling on laws. And at the end of the day, we had a madman show up outside of Kavanaugh's house with a nine millimeter to kill him. So uh, these are the stakes in this election. Uh, When you have the rules for thee and not for me, uh, it used to just be about the elections. It used to just be about ethics. But now it's come down to the actual rhetoric. Uh, And the rhetoric of Chuck Schumer almost got a Supreme Court justice killed. Uh, That must be the conclusion you arrive at if you also arrive at the conclusion uh, that the words that came out of President Trump's mouth somehow led to people who are unarmed uh, trying to overthrow the most powerful government in the history of the world. Yeah, and Joe, you could make the case based on that that there should be a January 6th-like commission on what Chuck Schumer said because, my goodness, the guy shows up this week to Kavanaugh's home and said he was upset at the leaked opinion. He didn't say, obviously, you know, Chuck Schumer But you could make a case that maybe his words were insightful to somebody like this or to other people. I mean, you know, I just I'm being facetious because I just think it's it is outrageous. Um, The minute you start saying, well, that directly led to this. And if you look at the words that Schumer said and Maxine Waters said, get in their face. I mean, my God, their vitriol has just been over the top. More than anything I heard on January 6th at those different from what I've seen on all the videos and everything else. You think about the job of the United States Senate, formerly referred to as the most deliberative body on the planet. It is supposed to quite literally cool the passions of society and provide a level-headed examination of what is required to have an America that works for every single one of us. And so what you see in the presence of uh, Democrats having complete control of our government, you see them increasingly relying on division, increasingly encouraging people to take aggressive stands against people who they disagree with, parents who simply want to make sure their children are getting a just education, being put on terrorist watch lists. This is not America. Uh, This is the beginning of the American fabric completely unraveling uh, because these people are effectively trying to keep power and leverage power by any means necessary, even if that means that they're going to turn a blind eye to the fact that with their own tongue, they have encouraged people to break the law set up camp outside the homes of Supreme Court justices, and at this rate, somebody is going to get hurt. 
right? And as I remind people, in the modern history of our politics right now, certainly in my adult life, the only people who've ever gotten hit by bullets in our in our politics in many ways end up becoming the people on our side of the aisle, the right side of the aisle, right? We know that there are mad people on both sides. Uh, we saw earlier uh, when I was younger what happened with, obviously, Congressman Kathy Giffords. But at the end of the day, uh, we just have to make sure we have leadership that recognizes that with great power comes great responsibility. And the only responsibility they seem to believe they have is to do everything humanly possible to hold on to that power at our expense. Well, I say bravo for you for running, Joe Pinion. I know you're giving Chuck Schumer uh, a big, big race, and I can't wait to see what happens in the coming months. you got to come back on again soon. Call in any time, Joe. Always love hearing from you, my friend. Great to talk to you. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Good to see everyone. Thank you very much. The great Joe Pinion, who is running against Chuck Schumer, happens to be calling in and listening here on the show, and great to get his take on all of this. He is again running against Schumer in New York. Awesome, awesome, awesome. When we come back, everybody, I'm going to continue with your calls to hear your thoughts on January 6th. As you heard from Joe and I, I think it was a total bust. It was a mess. I thought it was a disappointment. I thought it didn't go anywhere, and it looked like one big political vendetta. 1-800-848-9222. Will you be able to stay awake for the hearings next week? I don't know. The Rita Cosby Show. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, there wasn't any love last night at the January 6th hearings. There was a lot of hate, 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 hate Trump. And a lot of politics, but where was the stuff? Where was the evidence? I didn't see anything that I went, oh, wow, God, that's going to dramatically rock the world. And they made it sound like it was the second coming. And I think they're not coming, they're going. I mean, that was just, that was horrible. And we're supposed to sit through at least three more of these next week and then a few more after that. Boy, these are going to be long, long ones. And if that's the way you catch everybody's attention, they're in trouble. This is Liz Cheney, who, again, is a Republican, but acts more like a Democrat. She's on the committee. And, of course, everything was Trump, Trump, Trump. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them that the election was stolen, and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. She didn't show the nexus. She made it sound like he was sitting there saying, okay, everybody, go into the Capitol here, do this, do that. So far, they don't have the goods, but she had a lot of mud that she was slinging at Republicans. Tonight, I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. Those were some of her best lines. But where's the proof? Because you got to have proof if you want to turn Americans' perception. And right now the polls, even some of the new NBC polls, guys, 
are showing that people are just kind of done with January 6th. They're worried about economy. They're worried about filling up their gas tank. That's what we're worried about. They don't want to rehash all this stuff again. 1-800-848-9222. Let's first go to Solomon from Toronto calling in. Go ahead, Solomon. Oh, yeah. Cheney's a joke. Uh, I I wanted to mention that uh, in 2017 on the Rachel Maddow, so Rachel Maddow, she was really surprised by this. She was interviewing Chuck Schumer, and he said, anyone who goes up against the intelligence community we have six ways from Sunday to get back at them. And Rachel Maddow was like, what would you do? And I was just wondering, what that was five years ago. What, what are six ways to get back at people? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of scary. By the way, you know what's interesting, Solomon? That's kind of scary because it's like uh, we will weaponize, you know, intelligence against you. And by the way, we certainly saw a bit of weaponizing. Remember, with the FBI agents who were talking about going after Trump and planning X and a whole bunch with the Steele dossier. I mean, we've actually seen a bit of that. So maybe Chuck Schumer was giving us a little bit of an inside track back then. But that you're right. That's a really, really interesting perspective. Solomon, always great to get your calls. I love that you are calling in from Toronto. That is awesome. Everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. What do you think of the January 6th hearings? Were they a bust? Were they a disaster? I didn't see any new intel that's going to give the DOJ fire. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Rita Cosby is on. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show because we get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement. And a big shout out to the folks in Vassalboro, Maine. I love Maine. I've been there so many times as you go camping in the summer there every year. It is such a beautiful state and they love our law enforcement. And there was a merit and citation award ceremony that took place yesterday at the Maine Criminal Justice Academy. The ceremony is held to recognize past and present members of the Maine State Police, both civilian and sworn members and citizens of Maine who have gone above and beyond what is expected of them. And one of the folks who was honored, listen to this story, was Trooper William Baker, who in October of last year was dispatched to a call on the main turnpike for an ambulance that was stopped on the side of the road with a patient that was suddenly going into cardiac arrest. Trooper Baker responded, and upon arrival, he assisted the ambulance personnel by conducting chest compressions for approximately 15 minutes. When additional medical personnel were unable to get there quickly, Trooper Baker readily volunteered to drive the ambulance the rest of the way to Maine Medical Center, enabling the ambulance personnel to work on the patient. Within a few minutes, additional rescue personnel met them, and Trooper Baker stopped the ambulance and immediately got in the back to resume CPR for another 20 minutes until they could travel again to get the patient to the hospital. What an amazing story. And needless to say, Trooper Baker's quick actions played a huge role in ensuring 
that the patient survived. What a great, great story. And it just shows a very resourceful and amazing member of law enforcement. Bravo to him. Well, I have a lot of questions, by the way, as we're speaking about January 6th, about the response of law enforcement that day. There are still so many unanswered questions. And as we're talking about the hearing that started last night, the very dismal hearing that happened, there are a lot of questions about who was supposed to respond that day. Now, listen, it wasn't a big secret that there was going to be a big protest, that there were going to be tons of people there that day. Everybody was saying they're going to go to January 6th to listen to President Trump speak and other people speak, and they knew it was going to be this massive crowd. And there have been many reports that President Trump, in a number of meetings, said, listen, you should call out the National Guard. You should do a series of things. You should do a whole bunch of stuff. We need a lot of people out there just to make sure things are safe because it's going to be a big crowd. That's standard operating procedure. And we had John Solomon on the show here just a few days ago. And John was essentially saying that he said, wait a minute, there were huge breakdowns that a lot of the doors were open in the Capitol, that that private elevator that goes up to those secret offices that's normally locked, that it was unlocked and basically anybody could go up the elevator. I mean, it was like anybody could get in. And then we saw a lot of these images where they were basically letting people in. It still doesn't make any sense to me. When you know that you're going to have a huge crowd, say even if it's a peaceful, positive happy-go-lucky crowd, which, by the way, a lot of them were. There were obviously, you know, people that were rioting. But predominantly, it was a peaceful crowd. And at first, even if they expected to be giving out lollipops there, if you have thousands upon thousands of people, you got to have a lot of people just making sure things are okay. Where was the security? Why wasn't there even basic standard security that you would have for just a peaceful rally Uh, more than a couple hundred people. And we know that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands. There are still so many unanswered questions. And remember, Nancy Pelosi is in charge of security because she is the Speaker of the House. That's her role. So we're still not getting all the full answers. And that's a big issue to me because that's what this January 6th commission should also be revealing. If they were really a fair committee, they would be telling the public, Hey, here's what happened, but here's the other angle. And right now, we're not even going to hear that we're hearing anything with security. So far, they're not telling us anything. And why is Nancy Pelosi not being called up? Because there's a lot of questions about what she knew, when she knew it, and what she did, and what she did not do. There's something really fishy here in the fact that they're not calling her, and they're not calling the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, to me, This just makes this whole thing look like such a sham. And that's the kind of hearing, quite frankly, I would like to hear because I'd like to get to the bottom of it. And we still don't know the answer to a basic question like that. Like, why were so many of the doors open? Why was the security worse than a typical almost day on Capitol Hill? Why were they so ill-prepared? I mean, there are just so many questions when we even heard last night from Liz Cheney, that they knew this was coming. They knew this hearing was going to happen. I mean, to me, you know, when you know there's a lot of people, they're making it sound like Trump was plotting and planning and it was all over the place. Well, if it was all over the place, where was all the security? 
That's an obvious thing. There were so many security breakdowns that just seemed stunning to me. And I don't believe in too many coincidences happening. It's such an obvious thing that you would have massive security and they didn't that night. So that begs to me a lot of questions. First of all, listen to Congressman Jim Banks, Republican, who says that the whole committee is just one big sham. This committee is a cover-up. It's, it's not just a, a cover-up from distracting from the issues that the American people are demanding that we focus on, like $5.25 a gallon of gas in my hometown in Columbia City, Indiana. But it's a cover-up of Nancy Pelosi's roles and responsibilities as Speaker of the House and oversight of the Capitol Police and Capitol Security. She has documents in her office about why the National Guard was called off because of, quote, bad optics that she refused to give up to the bipartisan Senate Homeland Security. Security Committee that investigated January 6th several months ago. So the, the cover-up here is is that. Why, they don't, why don't they want to talk about the real issues about the complete disintegration and uh, the breakdown of, of leadership and security on January 6th and the weeks leading up to it? And then he talked a little bit more about the lack of security, which I was just talking about. This is stunning. Well, we, we've discovered serious and real issues related to the breakdown of leadership within the within the, the top ranks of the Capitol Police. Remember that right after January 6th, the Capitol Police rank and file members got together and over 90 percent of them voted no confidence in their department's leadership. I mean, I, the head of the Capitol Police Union told me that they weren't prepared for what happened on January 6th because the intelligence never got to them. It, uh, they had intelligence weeks before then that never got to rank and file Capitol Police officers. They weren't equipped. They had outdated and faulty equipment. The rioters had better equipment than they did. And they weren't trained for a riot, even after all the riots uh, in Washington, D.C., the BLM riots in the summer of 2020. So those, those are the real issues that our report is going to tackle, how to fix those issues and how to inform the next speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and how to do a much better job to secure the Capitol and take those issues more seriously than Nancy Pelosi ever did. Yeah, I can't wait to find out the results of that. That's the real issue here, too. And it doesn't look like this committee even wants to touch it. And they're not even calling Pelosi. They haven't even interviewed her. I mean, that is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to John in Pennsylvania, line two. John, your thoughts about all this? Well, my opinion, Biden isn't even our president. Nancy Pelosi is. Well, Bi- I'm not sure Biden, if Biden knows Biden's he's president. That's a whole other heat. issue. <laughs> well, Biden's taking all the heat while Pelosi's making the calls, and she just flat out hates Trump so much. I do admit Trump wasn't the greatest president. He was just quick off the hip. Hey, that's kind of all right sometimes. Well, I think a lot of people would uh, uh, take a mean tweet now over five dollars, you know, a gallon gas average around the country, you know, and a disaster. Uh, just so many of these issues that we're seeing. Hey, John, let me ask you. Be, let me just ask you real quick because you bring up the Nancy Pelosi. I do not understand how this committee is not calling her. They haven't interviewed her. Um, and she is in charge of security that day. I mean, to me, there are so many obvious things that should have been in place for just a peaceful rally, you know? Uh, so isn't that baffling to you? I mean, there's something much more to this story than meets the eye. It, you can't tell me that the Capitol Police are that stupid and that inept that they wouldn't have been in place, 
you know, if somebody had asked them and told them. So there's something going on here that we don't know about. That's what I'm getting at. Pelosi makes the calls. Biden takes the heat. Think about that. Yeah, there, there's something. There's something to it, John. Thank you very much. There's definitely something there. I agree with you. Let's go to Larry on uh, line six. Go ahead, Larry. Your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, reader, it's becoming you're, you're definitely on to a lot. It's becoming increasingly apparent to me, especially by the Ashley Babbitt shooting, that they wanted somebody wanted not somebody, but a lot of people wanted the Democrats wanted them to breach the doors of the inner of the inner chamber where Ashley Babbitt was shot because those two guards all of a sudden when the heat got on all of a sudden the guards abandoned their posts and they were not threatened and also when of the Ashley Babbitt shooting the guard that shot Ashley Babbitt he actually incriminated himself he wasn't investigated but he gave an interview and he said he was asked he said where where do you usually go to shoot and he said center mass she was shot from point-blank range in the neck. The neck is not center mass. He was trying to blow her head off, but she was moving, so he got her neck instead. When you aim for the head, that's not center mass. He implicated himself, this guy. Well, and you know you know what's interesting, Larry? The You bring up Ashley Babbitt because you're right. We still never really heard the full details from that guy. That guy, quite frankly, should be called to and investigated, and it should be questions you know, what makes me think that the Democrats have such a, a lame and lousy case is the fact that they're not putting Jim Banks on the panel. They purposely took off. They didn't want Jim Banks. They didn't want Jim Jordan. They didn't want the people who would ask him some real grilling questions or fair questions uh, that the American public would like answers to. At least if they did that, you know, I still think they're creating issues but at least if we heard more about what happened to Ashley Babbitt, if we heard more about what happened to security, maybe you could say there's some balance to it. But the fact we still don't know and that that guy hasn't really been investigated and he got off so easy in that interview. I remember when he said that there were so many questions I would have asked him. And he was like, you know, remember, and I believe all cops should be, you know, treated respectfully because it's such an important job. But what I find just so disgusting is that Nancy Pelosi and those guys, that guy's a hero. And and the one who had, you know, the health issues afterwards who passed. And obviously you feel, you know, it's sad about that he passed away. But that cop's a hero. But then Nancy Pelosi and the other ones, you know, didn't say anything when cops were getting their heads bashed, you know, in streets across America in 2020. So the double standards are just so transparent. Larry, thank you. Very, very much. Let's go to Eileen, line three. Eileen, your thoughts about all this? Actually, Rita, I didn't watch it. I I watched something more intelligent, Bugs Bunny. Ah, by the way, there yeah. probably was a lot more um, uh, brilliance and illumination watching Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah, watch that back. Really, exactly. But with um, Mr. Pelosi, you know, Nancy Pelosi, he has, he's like he's like John Gotti, Teflon Don. Nothing sticks on him. Now you're talking about you're talking about the DUI. Is that what you're referring to, no, Eileen? No, no, I'm talking about Nancy. Oh, you're talking about Nancy. I thought you said yeah. Mister Pelosi. But... I did. That's what I call it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So yes. Yeah, so yeah. so now, what do you make of the fact that Mister Pelosi, as you call her, um, that she is not 
coming. She have we haven't heard a thing about security. Can you imagine if if it was a Republican who was House Speaker, and suddenly there was this enormous security breakdown? They'd be calling to impeach that Republican. Oh, big time! You big know, time. I mean. Time. It's 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 unbelievable, Eileen. Thank you very much, and I love the bugs. Let me hear the Bugs Bunny impression again because it's Friday night. And what's your back? Hey, that's, Rita, that's Rita, pretty good. I have a good candidate for vice president for President Trump if he runs again. I have a wonderful candidate. All right, who is that? It's a lady. Her name is Rita Cosby. Ah! Think about it, I'm <laughs> girl, Eileen. The only way I would do it is if you are my press secretary. How's that? Then we'll go in as a team. Well, I have to buy a lot of new clothes, and I don't have a lot of money. Oh, we'll figure that out. We'll put you. We'll give you a good clothing budget. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but I'll, I'll shop at Target. All right. Oh, yeah, okay. right. You, you can yeah. get some good I'm deals there. Free to think about it. Oh, you're very sweet, Eileen. Thank you. Very, very sweet. And I love the Bugs Bunny impression. Thank you, my friend. Very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Tony. Line one. Tony, go ahead. Your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that's not constitutional did not happen on January 6th. And more January 6ths need to happen in New York City, in Albany, in Chicago, because the people have the right to show how angry they are with the status quo. And they need to out these mayors and governors and all of these Senate people put their names out hold them accountable, and let them answer to people. Well, and two things, Tony. I agree that it's good for people to speak out. What I don't agree with is there were, as we saw, you know, some of the video, um, and again, it was not as bad to me by far, and obviously statistically it wasn't as bad clearly on what happened in the summer of 2020. No question. But I don't like seeing like when the um, Capitol Hill police officer, Caroline Edwards, spoke and she she has a brain injury from when she was pushed and shoved and knocked unconscious. So, you I, you know, you don't want that part of it. But the peaceful protest, which was a huge portion of what happened on January 6th, people coming and speaking and speaking their mind and peacefully protesting and also getting out to the voting booth, too. All of these things are so, so critical. I, I'm not... I don't condone, you know, when it got out of hand where they're shoving a police officer or doing any of those things. Um, that That's where I think it's over the top, and we got to be careful with that. But I think peaceful protests, that's a good thing. And I think, you know, not not bowing over. I mean, you know, you look at what happened, like, in, you know, in the summer of 2020. I think we need to make sure that we also call out the hypocrisy because – you know, boy, you know, I keep thinking about Nancy Pelosi in the summer of 2020. They're protesting and they should keep on doing it. I mean, how could you say that when they're out there burning down police stations and bashing police officers' heads? I mean, to me, that was despicable. And people need to call out the fact that there were some really horrible things that happened. And they want us to kind of forget about that and just focus on some of the few incidents that happened on January 6th, few in comparison to what happened in the summer of 2020. Uh, But, Tony, thank you very much for your call. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. 
listen to this podcast now on the Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Never go wrong with a little bit of Bee Gees on Friday night. I love the Bee Gees. I haven't heard them in a while. You know, we got to laugh because, boy, was it a joke. The hearing last night for the January 6th committee. And I just remembered this line from Benny Thompson, who was one of the chairs. And this is sort of how we opened up the hearing last night. January 6th was the culmination of an attempted coup. A brazen attempt, as one rioter put it shortly after January 6th, to overthrow the government. And then he basically said that everybody that was there on January 6th were enemies of the state, domestic enemies, and that they were basically the biggest threat to the world. Um <sighs> I really want to know what he's drinking. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Max on line three. Go ahead, Max. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Hey, Rita. Um, remember, Trump had the House and the Senate. They didn't go after anybody. I keep hearing all this tough talk. And when and when we will win it back, I guarantee you they won't go after anybody. They should be going after Joe Biden with the 25th Amendment. He should be impeached multiple times. They should go after Kamala Harris. They didn't go after Maxine Waters when she incited that riot, when when the, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa were walking down the streets and grabbing food off of people's plates and, and running people out of restaurants. Republicans don't go after anybody. I don't know if it's the old white man problem, but we need some toughness. We need some guys that's going to stop going out and be ruthless like the Democrats are now. They're savages. It's a shame, you know, but I keep hearing Republicans say we're better than that. We're better. No, we we don't have to be better than that. Well, and and by the way, and Max, there's a way to fight back, but, you know, still do it in a in a fairly civil way. You know, I mean, I'm not for, you know, um, anything that's physical, but I think. To your point, it's an interesting point because you're right. They're talking a big game. They're saying, hey, listen, if we get, you know, if we get in the House, Kevin McCarthy's like from day one, we're going to start with Mayorkas. You know, the borders are who, boy, has he been a disaster, you know. Um, and he's also said, hey, what about, you know, maybe Biden, maybe this, maybe Kamala, maybe the. So you're right. Let's see if they really do it because you're right. A lot of times they say stuff and then they just for some reason are like weeping willows. But maybe they'll be a little more emboldened this time because, boy, the Democrats are throwing anything they can. Uh, so it may change. We'll see. We'll see. And also voters may put a lot of pressure on them to say, hey, okay, step up. Because, boy, have we seen at this point it has gone so the other way uh, that hopefully Republicans get what I say. I lived in Spain. Hopefully they get a set of cojones. one 800 Let's go to David. In line eight, uh, in the Bronx. Go ahead, David. Yes, good evening. All right. You know, I listened to you last night, and I've listened to your callers today. You soft-pedal what happened on January 6th. I don't know if it's because you're a Trumper or whatever your reasons are, but to— I'm actually—David, David, David, hang on. I'm actually an independent, but go ahead. 
Keep going. All right, well, you can be an independent and still be a Trumper. But anyway, you keep talking about the security. You don't want to talk about the people. You know, you mentioned it in passing. There were hundreds of people attacking police officers, storming our nation's capital, something that has never happened in our lifetime. All right, so, David, David, actually, you actually need to get the wax out of your ears. Because I have said that I do not like, when I saw them attacking police officers, I've been very clear that I don't like physical violence, no matter who does it. But the Democrats have been whitewashing the other side. It's like the summer of love never happened. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Red Apple Podcast Network. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And later on in this hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, I thought I have heard it all And it is so tragic because I am referring to what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Of course, it's it's just horrible what happened there at the Robb Elementary School where the gunman goes in and opens fire. And now we are hearing so many questions about law enforcement. Because remember, it was like, how did the gunman get in? Um, The door was open, as it turns out. First, they claimed that there was a shootout with a deputy, then, uh, you know, a school resource officer. Trinity wasn't even there on the scene. There are still so many unanswered questions. And then tonight, uh, we get word that this Pete Arredondo, who is the head commander, supposedly everybody thought and everybody was told he was the commander on the ground. Turns out he said, I wasn't the commander on the ground. I mean, this is like Abbott and Costello. And it is just so sad and so tragic because it looks like there was no organization, no planning. It looks like they got caught with their pants down. I mean, they have like no idea what they were doing. And in the middle of all this, this gunman is firing, firing, and it's over an hour until they actually get into the room where the gunman is. And then, as we know, the border agent takes him out. But we finally are hearing from the guy who everybody said was the commander on the ground And in a very revealing interview, he talks about some of the missteps, but he also says, I didn't know I was the commander on the ground. Are you kidding me? You have like one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history at a school and nobody knows who's in charge. Boy, we're going to talk more about the hearings of January 6th, but there needs to be some serious hearings into what happened in Uvalde, Texas, because it looks like it's the blind leading the blind and they have no clue. And now I have even more questions about what was happening there, who was in charge, why did they make certain decisions, and why did they wait to storm when they knew that there were injured children and injured teachers in that classroom? There are, like, horrible, tragic mistakes that happened. And it's important we know so this never, ever happens again. It's outrageous. And I want to get your thoughts on that, because the more I hear from this guy, the angrier I get and the more questions I have. Meantime, we're also talking, of course, about the January 6th hearings, because there are so many questions 
that they didn't focus on. And it doesn't sound like they want to focus on because all they want to do is go after Trump and put on one big show. Here is the chairman, Benny Thompson, talking last night at the debut hearing in prime time. That was a prime time dud. The world is watching what we do here. America has long been expected to be a shining city on the hill, a beacon of hope and freedom, a model for others when we are at our best. How can we play that role when our house is in such disorder? And he said the world is watching, but I guess it wasn't that gripping because even President Biden admitted today he didn't watch. Take a listen. I didn't get to watch them last night because I was doing other business. But I tell you what, there's a lot, lot going on. (sighs) All right. And then he said that this is so pivotal right now because basically freedom of the world's at stake because of January 6th. It's about our democracy itself. We have to protect our democracy. I know it sounds corny to say it. We're all raised in school. Democracy, every generation has to protect it. I have to admit to you, I never thought that it was going to be this straightforward a challenge before. The rule of law matters in democracies. And we're seeing how the battle for the soul of America has been far from won. But I know together, and I mean this, we can unite and defend this nation, Democrat and Republican, allow no one to place a a dagger at the throat of our democracy. Meantime, the president has not commented about a man who was planning to assassinate one of the Supreme Court justices, Brett Kavanaugh. He has still been silent on that. He talked about the impact of the Roe v. Wade decision whenever it comes out when he was on Jimmy Kimmel. But he didn't mention the threat against a Supreme Court justice. A man was arrested, heavily armed outside his house. I mean, that's unbelievable. And he hasn't said anything about the summer of love 2020 when there were so many people that were killed, so many businesses that were destroyed, so many lives that were destroyed by all those riots. He hasn't condemned it. And in fact, people on his campaign at the time were bailing out the rioters. And they don't say anything, but they want us to believe that January 6th was the only thing that's ever happened, that where things got out of hand. Are you kidding me? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom on line five in Minnesota. Go ahead, Dom. Yeah. Hi, Rita. I watched some of that dog and Cheney show yesterday. Dog, oh, wait, 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 wait. I like that. I haven't heard that yet, Dom. Dog and Cheney show. That's a good one. Or should, or should, I, say, or should I say the donkey and Cheney show to be more appropriate to the party? Uh, you know, Liz Cheney deserves an Oscar for her very moving and emotional performance. Like FDR said, this day will live in infamy for the Japanese attack, but only now. It's a Chinese attack on America through their double agents, Joe and Hunter, the puppets of the Chinese. Uh, and I think, in all seriousness, the talk show hosts like yours are preaching to the choir when they point out the stupidity of the Democrats. The trick is to convince independents and Democrats into realizing that the Democrats don't give a damn about them except as vote banks. Republicans need a powerful counter to this, you know, quote-unquote Dog and Cheney show. Not so much for you and me, because we already know what went on, what, what these guys are planning. 
But for Democrats and Liz Cheney apologists. Well, you know what's in, you know what's interesting though, Dom. Um, there have been some polls, and I was talking about this, and this to me was was interesting. And it was even before the hearings. I'll be curious after the hearings to see what the polls show. But before the hearings, there was an NBC News poll, and NBC is not exactly a conservative media. And it basically said that a majority of Americans don't really want to hear about January 6th. Like, they weren't that gripped. And that's probably heavily, heavily Democrat. So I do think that a lot of people went in kind of like, let's move on. You know, we're worried about the economy. We're worried about crime. There's so many issues going on in America right now. And even Democrats, I think, are fed up. And I think there was nothing that I saw in the hearings that's going to really change that. If anything, I think you're going to see more people fed up because I think there were a lot – I, you know, I have a, a friends who are on all sides of the aisle and I spoke to a number of Democratic friends in the last 24 hours and they were like they were they said that was it. Like, uh, you know, it was lived up to like it was going to be Mission Impossible or, uh, you know, Maverick 2, Tom Cruise Maverick 2. By the way, it was a good movie, Dom. I saw it. It was great. Um, but that lived up to the hype. This like was like uh, this is going to be the blockbuster of the year. And it turned out to be, you know, uh, just a bust. And so I don't think they're going to change any minds. And I think, if anything, people are going to sort of see it for the transparency that it is. I, I think that there are people on all sides of the political aisle. I, what, what are your thoughts on that, Dom? Well, actually, I think Joe Biden should keep talking. But every time he talks, the polls go the other direction. So and I, I'm glad he's talking the way he does. He needs to open his mouth every chance he gets, which is good for us. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great yeah, point. Yeah. That's a great yeah. one. Dom, thank you. Always love getting your calls. Thanks, my friend. Let's go to Charles in beautiful South Carolina. Go ahead, Charles. Hey, Rita. How are you? Uh, great to talk to you again. You too. Hey, Charles, Charles, get a little closer. You're a little far from the mic there. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Keep going. Okay, yeah, so, you know, this whole circus, I think, is just a huge distraction uh, from the fact that it turns out that they really did steal the election. And, you know, honestly, if Trump had wanted all those people to go in and cause an insurrection, I think if he called them to do, they would have, all million people on that, that lawn would have gone in there and done that. And quite honestly, maybe they should have, because these Democrats are definitely traitors and probably should be in jail. Well, and listen, and I'll say, Charles, that I don't think, obviously, people should be storming the Capitol. Um, But I agree with you that had he said, hey, everybody, go in there, uh, I think they all would have gone in there. And by the way, it was so interesting to listen to Liz Cheney's tweet. One of the things, uh, a Trump tweet that she read during the hearing last night, she read this part of this tweet and she read it as an example of like Trump not doing anything. But it was so funny. It was like, in fact, let me play this because um, she described this. This is cut 39. This is Liz Cheney describing a Trump tweet, and she conveniently leaves out this part. Take a listen. Donald Trump tweeted, but he did not condemn the attack. Instead, he justified it. These are the things and events that happen, he said, when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who've been badly and unfairly treated for so long. And by the way, the next line in the tweet that you even see in the hearing, because the whole tweet's up there, was, go home. We love you. You're special. It says, go home. 
And then she's saying he never told people to go home. He never told people to leave. It's like literally right there. I I mean, it it is just, it is so stilted. It's so horrible. And it is so, so blatant. Let's go to Dina. Go ahead, Dina. Line two. Hi, Rita. Uh, I just want to know if everybody uh, on the January 6th, if everybody were a Democrat or Republican, the rioters. Well, from, well, you know what? from what Donald you see, was home, right, right? Go ahead, go ahead. And uh, and uh, they would ne- if they're a Donald Trump supporter would never attack his home. You understand what I'm saying? That's it. But but, but listen, in, in all fairness, Dina, we do know that a number of people who were arrested clearly were supporters of his. They got caught up in the moment. Uh, They went in there. I don't think it was appropriate. I don't think the pushing of the police officers or some of those who did destroy property, any of that, I think, is is obviously wrong. Um, But uh, there were a lot of people who the doors were open and they just kind of walked in. And there's that scene, that famous scene uh, that we saw the video early on where you see the police officer basically uh, lets them in. And they're kind of walking around. He's like, oh, you know, just, you know, take a few pictures. Just leave soon if you don't mind. They're like, oh, okay, sir. I mean, that didn't look like, you know, so they're, you know, you can't paint everybody with this horrible brush. It is so completely stilted when you see people who are saying that. I'm not saying you. I'm talking about the uh, House committee. Uh, Let's go to Stan on line eight. Stan, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. A number of them. I think you need glasses. There was like over 600. A number of them. What are you talking about? What were you watching? Were you hey, watching Stan? cartoons? Hey, Stan, by the way, I'm so glad you talked about 600 because that's about how many riots took place in the summer of 2020. Well, you and your summer of love, what were you, uh, you keep going down that road. Because well, we guess have more what? Because talk about. What about uh, Texas? Stan? Let's talk about Texas. Stan? Texas. Stan, what did you think of the riots that took place that the Democrats terrible. still won't condone? You want me to talk? It was terrible. Good. I'm glad you said that. And Other by the way, there have been. Let me tell you something. It was terrible. It's never. You know, people have a right to protest. People have a right. It went too far. Oh, they went the too of, far. They were bashing police officers' head. Stan, that's well beyond uh, too far. They were like, they had shot an off-duty officer, David Dorn, who was protecting his property. There were a number of other people who were killed. It was well beyond too far, just like the people who were pushing the Capitol Hill police officers. But if you want to go number for number, there was a lot more destruction and many more Deaths. There wasn't even Ashley Babbitt was the woman who was killed that day. Uh, Give me a break, Stan. A traitor. Trump insurrection. That's the new term now, since everybody has their own terms. The Trump insurrection. By the way, the guy, David, who called you. David, keep calling, David. She never will get it, David. Oh, I will get it. I will get it. I will get it. And Stan, even though I don't agree with you, I always love hearing from you, my friend. I love hearing from all sides. That's that's the beauty of America, everybody. Uh, let's go to Teddy. Line four. Teddy, go ahead. Uh, good evening. I've been waiting for more than an hour. Rita, I agree with Stan, and I agree with David. You know, Rita, I, maybe you need glasses. There were hundreds that committed violence. In hey, Teddy, 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 hang on. Teddy, 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 hold on one second. Hold on. You sound like you're going to go to the bathroom in your pants. First off, you need to come up with a new line because Stan said I needed glasses. So now I'll give you a second chance. Go ahead. Okay, go to a retinal specialist, okay? 
I have one eye, and I was able to see clearly what was happening over there. Why are you always bringing up 2020? Because because it's relevant. It is, Teddy, 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 hang on, hang on. I'll let you reply. But it is relevant because it shows I would have a lot more respect for the Democrats if they came out and said, Gosh, what happened in 2020 was horrible if they came out at the time, not just now politically conveniently, which they're still not even doing. But if they came out at the time and absolutely condemned it and told everybody to go home and shameful, do not beat police officers, don't do this, don't do that. They didn't say anything, Teddy, which was outrageous. And now they want us to believe that the only time there's ever been violence in America in the last few years was that night at that day at the Capitol. And yes, there were some terrible things that happened there. I, I've said that, Teddy. I'm not walking in with blinders on, you know. I, I, I have pretty good eyesight, by the way, but thank you. Um, but in that case, that was horrible. But what I saw in 2020 was despicable, and the Democrats will not even acknowledge that there was anything wrong with what happened in 2020. There are still businesses around this country that are closed down, that are shut down, that have still not come back. There were so many lives that were lost and, and injured that day as well, and they are selectively picking out that chunk. If they said, let's do a whole hearing about everything there and now let's do this hearing, then I'd say, all right, that's fair game. But it is not fair game. And so to me, that is outrageous. But, Teddy, I love your call anyway. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about this, and we're also going to talk about Uvalde because guess what? There better be hearings there. That commander says, I didn't wasn't the commander. Uh, boy, that's troubling. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This is The Rita Cosby Show. So, Stan and Teddy and David, you're my inspiration tonight. It's Chicago. I love this song. Let's play a little bit. It's Friday. This is to you, Stan, who complains every night when I'm on the air. Here you go, Stan. This is this is for you, Stan. In my soul, Stan. Stan, you're the meaning in my life. You are my inspiration, Stan and Teddy, on this Friday night. I love you guys. I do genuinely love you guys because I love hearing from all of you guys. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the hearings that were supposed to be the big headlines, but they were a big old bust. And listen to Congressman Byron Donalds from Florida saying that this is just all to change the narrative because... The Democrats are in trouble with the polls. 
Oh, listen, I watched the entire two hours of this mess, and the reality is, is that all they're doing is trying to paint a new political narrative that voters need to think about in November, because the Democrat agenda has failed. We all know the reasons why. No need to recap. <clears throat> but to throw this out there, that there's somehow this danger to democracy that exists, is ludicrous. People are voting right now all across the country. There are no issues. Americans are letting their voices being heard at the ballot box in many cities and states across the country. There are no issues. I don't know what they're talking about except to cover up for their disastrous agenda that has hurt every aspect of American life. But if you listen to Stan and Teddy, the Democrats walk on water. Boy, people are drinking on Friday night. 1-800-8489-222. Let's go to Norm on line four. Go ahead, Norm. Hello, Rita. Listen, um, I... I have not agreed with you from things in the past. We don't agree on Russia and Ukraine, and yet I maintain to be a gentleman with you. And uh, I some of, some of the previous callers, so I'm not going to say their name, who call you are extremely re- disrespectful to you, and uh, they need to just express their opinions and not get insulting. Well, you, you know what? You and know what? They I, just they get heated and passionate, and you know you know the thing right. is, Norm. I look at it. I love hearing from everybody. Like to me, right. you know, I mean, it's America. I obviously right. think Stan is on some really good drug. And I think Teddy got a double dose right. of it tonight and Dave had a triple dose. But you know what? Right. I, it's America. And I love hearing from everybody. And no, that's, uh, that's true. And I was all right. Yeah, but they have to realize, okay, this is mostly a conservative radio station. The people who call up are mostly conservative. And, you know, they're going to give conservative opinions, conservative takes. Here's the thing. Uh, I can't call up WBAI or any of these other stations and say, oh, I went to Washington on January 6th and not get click. Okay, they don't want to hear it. Well, that's why, Norm, I love hearing from you and I love hearing from everybody. And that's what makes America great. We're going to keep talking after the break. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, I love this one, and this ties into the Yankees of New York. Private First Class Edward Chan, he served in the Army as a medic in World War II. Well, he has been following the Yankees since he was a boy. And now the Freehold New Jersey veteran and lifelong Yankees fan will witness an unforgettable game this Sunday as he is being recognized for his service at Yankee Stadium. Private First Class Edward Chan served as a medic in World War II and he followed the Bronx Ball Club since he was a young boy. He became a Yankees fan as a kid and he said, when I would listen to the games on the radio with my brothers in Mount Vernon, New York. We would cheer for the great legends of the day like Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio. Chan is now 97 years old, and he will be honored in the middle of the seventh inning this Sunday at the Yankees game as they host the Chicago Cubs. The players and the fans will remove their caps while the announcer reads Chan's name, rank, 
branch of service and what war he served in. Chan will stand at home plate while God bless America plays. The New York Yankees, the Islanders, the Mets, and the Brooklyn Nets participate in the Combat Wounded Veterans of America's Veteran of the Game program, as does Barclays Center in Brooklyn. How beautiful to see that he is being recognized and his family is also going to be with him when he is recognized during the game on Sunday. I love that. By the way, I've been to a number of these games where they honor our veterans. It is so beautiful to see the whole crowd standing and applauding and to see the veterans face. And I'm sure that it will be very emotional for Mr. Chan and so many others. Well, I wasn't that emotional over the hearings last night for January 6th. Were you? Obviously, Stan was who called and Teddy and David tonight. Uh, But other than that, I thought it was pretty boring and I thought it was pretty anticlimactic. But if you listen to Benny Thompson, who was the chair on the Democratic side, this is how he described what he says is a grand conspiracy that they're going to show throughout the hearings. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy. And ultimately, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. Yeah, and so far we heard no big bombshells, and they hopefully have more uh, more uh, evidence than, let's just put it that way, because so far it is one big zero. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lawrence. In Massachusetts, on Line 8, Lawrence, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. How are you? I've become a big fan of yours in the last couple of months, and I'm glad you're on the air. Ah, thank you, Lawrence. Thanks so much. So um, I was there on January 6th, and I can tell you that it's nothing like they're painting it. Yes, there were the things you see on film, but these people that call it an insurrection, that's insane. Not one person that was uh, uh, you know, arrested or caught inside the Capitol was caught there with a weapon of any kind, of any kind, not one, okay? And I was there. I went to the speech. When President Trump spoke, I was standing there in the, um, in the green behind the White House. We waited, listened to his speech. He spoke very calmly at other speakers. When it was over, he did, toward the end, he did say, we're going to march peacefully and patriotically. He used the word peacefully, and that's exactly what we did. We did not storm the Capitol. We strolled over there. It took, you know how far it is from the White House to the Capitol Oh, building? yeah, I've walked it. It's a, it's a hike, yeah. It's a mile. It took us about a half an hour because we were kind of strolling there. We're trying to get there. And as I get there, I see that this uh, platform that's built on the east side has been all filled up with people, and there's tear gas everywhere. I'm like, what's going on? So we go up to see, and we're cheering and chanting, and I see the police over there, and there was nothing related to, you know, any kind of interaction with the police on, on my side of the Capitol. And then when we went to leave, we walked right past a line of policemen, about 20 of them. They just looked at us and smiled, and we just left and went home, okay? And it wasn't organized by anybody. We just showed up because President Trump, because we believed that the election was stolen and we wanted to protest peacefully and which is exactly what we did the people you see on film it's less than one percent and you don't know how many of those people 
that you see are plants by Antifa or other groups, and you'd also know how many FBI agents or informants are involved. The whole thing is a setup, and it's a joke. What about what about also the security? You know, you bring up some powerful points because there there are a lot of questions about who was in the crowd that day, um, and what about the issue too of security? Because you know, we're still not hearing the whole story of why there wasn't even more security for a peaceful protest. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, even, you know, I, I've said this example, Lawrence, if there were like 10,000 grandmothers in wheelchairs, there should be more security than there was that day just because it's normal, you know? Exactly. Just because of the numbers, just because of safety, you know, not because you're worried about anybody riding, just because in that larger crowd, there's always going to be some issues. Like we had, you had a number of people, a small number, like three or four people had, you know, strokes or they, you know, lost their footing or something. And, and there's going to be issues like that. But it doesn't mean that we're all there to storm the Capitol. Now, what, what do you make of the there? fact that Benny Thompson basically said everybody is basically an enemy of the state? He said they're domestic enemies. They made it sound like You're every single gonna... person there was a domestic enemy. It was horrible. Mr. Thompson could look far and wide, never find more patriotic people in the world. We loved our country. We were there because we thought the election was fraudulent. And we know the importance of fair elections to, uh, you know, the continuation of democracy. That's all we were there for. And we had all kinds of evidence in our on our side. But nobody ever wants to hear it. There never got to be a court case to discuss it or, or, or have it tried. And we were disgusted by things like, you know, remember that tape that showed uh, people uh, pulling out totes full of ballots after they told the Republican observers to go home? Remember? And, and then, uh, you know, all the uh, ballots, the sort of truckloads of ballots in the middle of the night, and now Trump was way ahead by 800,000 votes. And, and by the way, Lawrence, Lawrence, there. Lawrence, your, your points about the questions of all those things and coming out and peacefully talking and, and supporting a candidate, I mean, uh, those are all – um, you know, fair things and First Amendment to speak your mind and your thoughts of whatever it is. Um, and and that was, as you're saying, the bulk of the people. And that's why, to me, you know, we're not hearing that. You're And, you know, we're hearing that it was, oh, it was this, you know, master plot. And just like, you know, you brought up where you started there, too, also, Lawrence, about the fact that if this was like some great plan to, you know, quote, uh, you know, storm the Capitol and invade the Capitol and do all that and, and some master plan. The fact that they weren't armed, this is like the worst, uh, quote, insurrection in terms of organization ever. You know, they did a lousy job of planning if that was the case. Um, so I think you make some really superb points. Lawrence, thank you. Great, great call. We appreciate it. Let's go to LQ, line seven. LQ, your thoughts, my friend. Uh, yes, uh, many blessings to all, uh, Rita. Uh, the caller that was uh, that just spoke spoke very true. I was there. Um, it was like five blocks away. See, but Sam, uh, I like Stan, and I, I learned from him because he knows a lot about um, politics. But he has a slightly gives um, got to be a little bit more open minded. And remember, you have to be there. It was five blocks away. It was peaceful. Uh, it was very well attended by uh, Capitol Police uh, there. Um, but you know, uh, but you know what's interesting, LQ? It was also there were a lot of security issues that we know for a fact happened that day, and I mean security failures in the sense that a lot of the doors were open, 
Um, also, we know that this elevator that leads to the fourth floor where a lot of the offices were, normally that's locked. It was open so people could kind of go right up. I mean, there's some things that were like basic security issues that we never still have gotten a clear answer on. And the whole thing about the National Guard, you know, Trump's people say there was a meeting that he said he wanted the National Guard to come by now because he knew there were just a lot of people coming just for security, just to make sure everybody was safe. Um, uh, there were reports that Nancy Pelosi turned that down. Did she? Will you know, she doesn't seem to want to come to answer any questions. And I think these are all, all fair game. Um, but, but it's great to hear from good people like you and the others that were there and talking about what honestly happened. Um, let's go to Eileen. Let's go to Eileen, line five. Go ahead, Eileen. Hi, Rita. It's me again. Insofar as uh, Stan, Teddy, and David, you know, the three stooges, uh, I think they need to call an exterminator to remove the bug from their backsides. Oh, that's a good one. Eileen, I love it. I love it. I love it. Eileen, you're great. With, with you, with you, America's in good hands, my friend. I love it. Thanks for the call. You're great. Uh, let's go to George, line two. Go ahead, George. Good morning, Ms. Rita. I just want to say, I was listening to your show last night and tonight, and what bugs me is I listen to these Democrats. They talk about come together, come together. Anytime you talk to them, all they do know how to do is get upset, call names, and degrade people. Like uh, Stan before. Yeah, but, but, because you know what? They don't have the substance on this one. And, you know, George, I'm always real honest with everybody. If I feel like, you know, there was some I, – I was looking last night at the hearing, and I was curious. Okay, let's see if they have something unusual that maybe we haven't seen or heard before. I always, I always try to go in with an open mind. I've covered a lot of congressional hearings. You know, I've been in the rooms when they've done these congressional hearings. I was based yeah. in Washington for years. I didn't see it, you know. And But Stan, Stan thinks that Biden is, is a great president. So when you got that as a starting block, you know, you, you can't move very far, you know. Well, another thing, in fact, I watched the presidential debate between him and, and uh, Donald Trump. Right away, he calls Trump a clown. I watched the debate between Harris and um, the last vice president. He just slipped my, his name just slipped my and mind. Pence, um, Pence, Pence, yep. Yeah. She was completely disrespectful to him. That guy, Stan, I just listened to him. He's, like, completely disrespectful to you. But you, you know, know what? I, but you I, know what? You know what's so funny? I, you know, I never mind hearing different views, different opinions, and, uh, you know, and I welcome all calls. You know, I, th- I think it's I, okay. I, I think, you know, even if you're a little loony kazoony, I have no problem calling yeah. you out, and I have no problem calling Stan out, and, uh, and that's, what makes, uh, that's what makes life fun. You know, we have different opinions. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you do. I'm, I'm glad you stand up for yourself. But just like, you know what, you could put your point out there, but you don't have to be degrading. Yeah, but that's Stan. You know. That's Stan. Stan, I think yeah, I Stan know. eats Stan eats sour lemons for breakfast. You know, so that's that's what Stan you get. Is, <laughs> he's just a small person. Oh, he is. He's a small person, and and he's got big opinions. But you know what? I welcome all of it, and that makes it fun. George, thank you very much. You're great. Um, you guys, when we come back, I want to hear your thoughts tonight about as we're talking about hearings. There should absolutely be hearings into Uvalde, Texas. 
And I want to take your calls on that when we come back because it is stunning what just came out a few hours ago. This Pete Arredondo, who was the commander on the ground, this is the guy who was, everybody said, was in charge of the handling of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary School. And Texas DPS said the commander was on the ground. He's the one who made the call that basically it was a, quote, barricaded shooter and not an active shooter. And he was clearly wrong. They called him out by name. He is the Uvalde school security chief. Then he was dodging reporters when they were trying to ask questions. Now he's lawyered up. And now today, a few hours ago, he does an interview with a print reporter, and he basically says, I wasn't the commander on the ground. Uh, I didn't bring my radios in uh, because I thought they'd weigh me down. I didn't have keys, but I wasn't in control. To me, first of all, either A, he's passing the buck, or B, boy, this is an even bigger law enforcement disaster when I say the fact that they say he was in control and didn't do a good job, wasn't radioing, telling anyone. He says he wasn't in control. So who was in control? Are you kidding me that there was no clear line or is he just trying to cover his butt? Boy, there needs to be hearings on this one. Here's a comment from the reporter who interviewed Arredondo, and this is what he told him. Well, you've covered some of the main points. He said that there's been criticism of the incident commander for making a, a call to stand down and not uh, breach the room. He says he was not the incident commander, was not aware he was the incident commander, never called himself the incident commander, and never issued an order not to breach the room. He also said that he made that conscious decision to leave his radios behind because he wanted both hands on his uh, firearm so that he could shoot accurately at the suspect. He said he believed he was the first officer responding, and he was following protocol there. So why did it take him so long to talk? Why has he lawyered up? Why has he not answered questions And why does the Texas Department of Safety say this guy was the guy in charge? He was the, quote, commander on the ground. Now, he says he wasn't in control of anything, but then he also says that he was telling people and telling law enforcement to get people out of the windows. So that sounds like he was giving orders, like he's trying to kind of, he's talking out of both directions here. And then he claims that he left his radio behind, two of them he had, Because he thought going in would be easier that the two radios would weigh him down. I mean, that's like Radio 101. You want to be able to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. I'm right outside the door because he was one of the first guys there. Um, Wouldn't you want to be able to relay that to somebody? I mean, this is really scary to me how badly this seems organized. And yet they said this guy was the one on the ground. And now he's saying I wasn't the one on the ground. Do you buy it? We really need hearings because, in this case, we need to know what happened. Nineteen children lost their lives. Two adults, two teachers lost their lives. So many others were injured. I mean, this is just outrageous. And now he also says that when he got there, he was trying to open the door, but the key didn't work. And then he got some other keys. They didn't work. And then he had to wait about an hour or so to get another ring of keys that had about 20, 30 keys, and finally he was able to open the door. I I mean, are you kidding me? Is this like 
1901, where you have to wait for a key to get in the door. And he says the only reason they couldn't get in the room is they didn't have a key. And that's why they waited 77 minutes till after the guy went in, till after the massacre began, that they finally got into the classroom. Doesn't this sound really fishy to you? There's some really serious questions here. And don't you think there needs to be some hearings because those families deserve justice? And this guy's now saying, I wasn't in charge. How could you make such a serious mistake, Texas DPS? Or is he just trying to pass the buck and trying to blame it on somebody else? And he needs to man up if he did. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Listen to this. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about what happened in Uvalde, Texas. And now the guy who was supposedly the commander on the ground is breaking his silence and speaking for the first time. And yet what he's saying is really confusing, saying, I wasn't the commander. And he said the reason that it took 77 minutes from when the massacre began to get into the room where the shooter was is they couldn't find a key. Take a listen to this one. Um, There was another criticism of him not having keys immediately. This is his entire jurisdiction, the the schools in the district. And if he doesn't have uh, keys to immediately open any doors, they said that that's a problem. Uh, Yeah, that is quite a problem. And then he's also saying that I wasn't the commander on the ground. I don't know who thought I was the commander because I really wasn't the commander. This to me is so troubling because he also says at the same time, which is why I have a lot of questions about this guy's version now. He also says that at the same time he was directing other officers to pull students and teachers out through windows because he said he didn't want them in the hallway because he was in the hallway. So he was directing them somehow. So he sounded like he was directing people and maybe they just assumed he was on the commander on the ground, but he's claiming that he wasn't the commander and that he thought there was another commander outside who was running the show. How could you mess it up this badly? Or is he just worried about a huge lawsuit? one 800 848 9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Pete. Love you, Shaw Reader. Love you as well. Thank you, Pete. I'm a Vietnam vet, and I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to get right down to cases. Number one, Uvalde. First thing you do is you you go in there as a commander. I don't care who you are. If you're law enforcement, if you've got to smash through that door in the glass, you dump through it, and you get in there with a gun, and you land on your two feet, and you go for it, and you start body blocking. You got to take them out. You go for the you go for the suspect. Number one, number two is just like Buffalo, New York, Rita. Here we go again. That kid came to school in a a uh, uh, 
the suit he had on, the hazmat suit. Come on, Rita. FBI, these people had the intelligence, the data. They didn't do a GD damn thing about it. Come on, Rita. No, I, hey, Pete, I agree with you. I feel the same way. I think it is outrageous. There were so many warning signs missed in this case. It is so blatant. And this guy was like, you know, like killing kids and doing all these kooky things. First of all, the kid never should have gotten a gun, just like Buffalo. I mean, there's so many things here. You're right. And then the fact that now this chief, which is obviously a separate matter in terms of the response, the fact that he's like waiting and looking for a key and he said he's, he went through keys and then the second ring had 20 or 30 of them. Are you kidding me? The guy is shooting people in the room and you're out there fiddling with a key. Are you kidding me? And he waits an hour and said, I waited because I was waiting for the key. Are you kidding me? Just like you said, you go in and you storm. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Elena. Line 8. Go ahead, Elena. Your thoughts about this. Good evening, Rita. Hey there, my friend. How are you? Very well. Thank you. I'm glad to share a thought with you. Yep. Go ahead real quick, Elena. One thought is that our security security officers definitely do not have enough training. Three courses in a community college doesn't make a security officer. That's first point. Second point is that this country has too many sleepers mixed in with all our citizens. And sleepers are people of other places that are here. They live here. Oops, we got to go. We got to go. But great points, Elena. Great points. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.